Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. What an amazing worship time this morning. Uh, Jack, you just led that up so, tied that up so beautifully. I got hay fever all of a sudden. My eyes started watering. Church, <laughs> 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 oh, you're awesome. You really are. And just so cool uh, the way you bring a heart of worship every week. Uh, to honour his presence, and I love how Jack said that, you know, God would just be proud to be here, like he's just proud to be with us, so I just think, yeah, that that is so good. Uh, I just want to share a, a message with you this morning, a message of hope, a message of uh, preparation. My message is called Be the Flame, um, and I'm going to start actually today uh, with just sharing a prophetic dream that Laura um, had in April 2015 last year, and it actually it uh, reflects on that word that Jack brought this morning from Psalm 23 as well, and I, I don't know if you knew this, but I spoke about that in my message last week as well, so yeah, if you don't know Psalm 23, immerse yourself in it, because it's such a beautiful psalm of rest, a psalm from David. Uh, so this is, this is a cool uh, dream that Laura had. So last night, while we were worshipping, God gave me a picture of all of us Thrive Leaders, and we were in a Viking Day-style tent. Outside the tent was like a games arena. In the tent, we were in clusters, some people praying for each other, some laughing and talking, and others walking around preparing equipment and clothing. There was a great vibe. The atmosphere was full of anticipation, excitement, and joy. Everyone also shared the feeling that this was to be one of the last times that we were to be together in this way. Sort of like a last supper feel, that things were not going to be the same after this moment. What struck me the most was the perfect and complete care that each of us showed uh, each other. We were caring for one another. There was a sense of strong honour. I then got a picture of everyone's hands, and I felt that the hands were working hands, strong, able, and willing. They each had unique markings on them. I really felt that each person had a unique and integral part to play in the game, and that no one was in the tent by accident. There was definitely a victory to be claimed. Then, Glenn, you mentioned the scripture about preparing a table in the presence of our enemies from Psalm 23. This resounded in the games arena that we were preparing for a game against an opposition, but we all shared such peace and joy in the tent, even though we were to face another team. And today, uh, I just want to honor everyone in here uh, this morning for following Christ, for being prepared to honour his name above yourself, to be prepared to follow his plan for your life even when it's really tough, to be a a friend uh, when you're carrying stuff in your own uh, life and it's hard to to reach out of your own world when you're going through stuff to to honour someone else's journey. But this is the kind of church that we're called to become. 
to be established in love, to, be, to know his love and to show his love to others. And because God actually wants to break out and bring salvation and bring light and bring hope to this world. And we're carrying this heart, this theme of salvation at this time. And a part of that, uh, that evidence and that outworking of salvation is just seeing victory happen in our own lives every day. And so today I want to talk about uh, just being prepared for victory and being prepared to, uh, to be ones who carry the flame no matter how dark it is and how hard it is in our lives. But there's a real key to doing this. And this key is all about spending time with the Father. This key is about knowing Him and letting Him reveal His light, His hope, and His, His goodness refreshing us in our, in our place of hurting. And it, and it can only be found in the secret place with the Father. So I'm going to be speaking from Matthew 25 uh, this morning, and it's the parable of the ten virgins. So we're going to jump straight into this at verse 25. At the time, the kingdom of heaven, uh, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and they trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us, you uh, and you. Instead, go, sell, uh, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they're on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. Uh-oh. The virgins who were already uh, were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. And then Jesus said, therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is in the context of a first century Jewish wedding, and I'll just go through a little bit of the, uh, just a nugget of the uh, of what happens uh, at that time. It was the custom for the bridegroom with some of his close friends to go to the bride's home. And, and at the bride's home, there were various ceremonies that were taking place um, uh, about the wedding. And then that was followed uh, by a procession from the, the bride's home through the streets after nightfall back to the bridegroom's house. And so these ten virgins, these were, they were likely that these guys, uh, these girls, sorry, they were... Uh, uh, a part of the the bridesmaids, you know, entourage. These were they, these were her girls, and 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 they would have been assisting the bride throughout the day. And they were expected, though, to um, light their lamps, and they were expected to meet with the uh, the bridegroom as he came from. Um, excuse me a moment. Just want to. The bridegroom, as he came from um, her house, and so they they needed to have the oil, they needed to have the lamp, they needed to be ready. 
in effect to light the path for the for the bridal uh, party. And so everyone in this procession, they were expected to carry uh, his or her own torch. And um, it actually says uh, in some commentaries that without uh, the torch, uh, if you didn't have a torch, you were assumed to be a party crasher. <laughs> and you weren't actually a part of the deal at all. And this party that they had in the Jewish custom, it was amazing. It would go on for uh, about several, you know, several days, and it would normally um, and formally get underway at the groom's house. And so the torch back in that in the in those days was. Um, either a lamp on a small uh, oil tank with a wick or a stick uh, with a rag soaked in oil out the end of it, which would um, require occasional soaking in the oil to um, maintain the flame of the lamp. So I just want to take a moment right now uh, with a show of hands, just for you to be real. Uh, This could be a time of confession, um, a time of vulnerability here. I just want to know, who has run out of petrol while driving their car? Oh, you guys are real, awesome. What's the male-to-female ratio? That was something I was intrigued in. Was it a two-to-one? It's probably about right. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the guys. (laughs) The guys have run out more often. Yeah. Anyway, but in 2013, okay... I don't know how they get these stats, but they do. In um, the New Zealand AA Roadside Rescue, they helped nearly 6,500 drivers uh, stranded without fuel on New Zealand roads. (laughs) That's a lot of people who are running out of uh, of, uh, petrol right there. So, you know, besides flat tyres, dead batteries, misplaced keys, running out of gas uh, ranks right up there as one of the main reasons for why people need uh, roadside service. And I think it's uh, kind of classic that it still happens to us these days. I mean, who has a fuel gauge in their car? Anyone? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, A warning light, even, when, when it's getting low? Like... There's some strong hint language going on there from that petrol tank that things are running are running low. And um, and who else has got a petrol station usually within about five miles, you know, five k's of um, where we live? Somehow people still manage to run out of fuel. And um, running out of fuel, though, it usually happens just because we got too busy or we got distracted. And at the end of the day, we just haven't had time to, uh, to get petrol because we have those things that just happen at the last minute. I know that when I'm running out the door suddenly, like this morning, I was like, something smells Josiah. Right, let's just sort that out. And, you know, if I was going to go get petrol, that would have just blown that and I could have had, you know, no gas on the way here. But we have these things that just happen at the last minute. We get distracted and we just, you know, forget to keep what's most important to get to our destination full so that we can arrive there safely. And Jesus tells us in the story that there were five uh, foolish virgins who'd run out of gas. There were five of these 10 girls. And these five girls, they, they were so much like the other five that were there with the gas, they had uh, received a, a wedding invitation to be at the celebration. In fact, they'd probably gone to the light-holding rehearsal the night before. 
Like that's what you do at weddings because you want to, you know, you just want to stand in the right place and you want to make sure that everyone's in play. And I can imagine these girls would have been thinking about what they had to do uh, before they had to do it. And, you know, they were there on the night. They even looked useful. They looked like the other five girls. They looked like they, wow, they've got their lamp. But when they had their moment to shine, they couldn't produce any light. And uh, Jesus was really, really blunt about these girls. And he wasn't, when Jesus is talking to the, to the, the uh, sharing this parable, he's actually talking to his disciples. He's not talking to lost people. He's talking to people who know him. And he says, these girls were fools. They were foolish. That's like, ooh, that's a bit hurty. And I thought, well, maybe I'll look up the original Greek translation just to see if it's kind of softened a little bit, uh, you know, back then. And, 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 and so I looked it up. The original Greek translation is dull, stupid, <laughs> heedless, blockhead, <laughs> absurd. That is harsh. <laughs> Like, he's really trying to make a point here. He's really trying to go out on a limb and say, look, these girls, these girls, they had, uh, they had their moment. He wasn't oozing any empathy for them at all, and, and we're not meant to feel good for these girls. It seems like he's like, no, we really need to, like, let's just put a label on them and say they were, they were blockheads, all right? They really, they were, they were not in the circle of trust. And he's really trying to, Jesus is really trying to drive home the point that they had a very, very important task, a simple task, but an important task that they had neglected to do as ones that were a part of this wedding party. The story goes on, and in a panic, they asked the other girls, the ones that don't have any oil, for oil, but they were denied. And the other girls must have figured, hey, I, I've, I've, I've only got enough oil for, my, for myself, and what's the point of having, you know, 10 half-flickering lamps when we're called to shine brightly? And so they were told to go out and purchase their own oil as it goes on. And then, and then in the, and while they were doing that, the, the ceremony took place, they, the party went, and they, and they were too late, and they missed out on the whole gig, and, 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 and they even pounded on the door. They cried out, Lord, Lord. They understood who the master was. However, they were still excluded from the party. And this celebration is considered by most Bible scholars to be, uh, you know, in the context of the second coming of Christ as he's united with his bride, the church, and the groom, of course, represents Jesus. And um, today I just want to look at the, the, the difference maker between the wise girls and the foolish girls. And uh, the, really, the, the, basically, the difference maker here is that the wise girls were prepared with oil. They were prepared for their moment. And their moment was a moment that was in the darkness. See, the oil was the fuel for the flame that provided the light that shone on the groom and illuminated his presence. 
In Acts 10, uh, 38, it says this of Jesus. You know, Jesus of Nazareth, this is Paul. He's just like raving about how incredible Jesus was and why he was incredible. You know, Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. You know, oil anointing was symbolic to oil. The prophet Samuel and uh, recognized King David before he was king. He's like, oh my gosh, this guy, he's chosen by God and I can see it on his life prophetically. I can see who he's called to, to become. And in that moment with his brothers there, he got oil out and he, and he put it on, on David a, as a symbol that he was to be anointed by God. And the Bible actually says that the Spirit of God came on him from that day on. Like that was an encounter moment, oil being symbolic of the power and the Spirit of God. You know, the Holy Spirit's key assignment is to bring a demonstration of God's kingdom through our lives. That's his... That's his key assignment, whether that's love, whether that's leading us into truth, whether that's comfort, whether that's hope, whether that's shining bright with salvation. His key assignment for our lives is always to bring the heart of the Father to our situations. And I love, I love this verse, how it says, uh, you know, this is what the kingdom is. And this is what the kingdom is, and Jesus go on, goes on in that verse, and, and he destroys what it isn't. It's like the verse says, the evil is overcome by goodness, that sickness is overruled by healing, that the demonic realm is put in its place by uh, the authority that Christ had on him because he had the Holy Spirit, and he had power flowing through his life. Who knows how frustrating it is when you're uh, looking to get your torch going because the power's been cut and you find out that the batteries are flat. <laughs> and you go, I'll just go charge my bat. Oh, no, I can't do that because the power's out. I've got no ability to find my way in the dark. And the heart that God has for each one of us he wants to just spend time with us every day. He doesn't want to just be our backup plan so that when it's dark and when it's hurting, we run to him because we haven't got what we need to have already inside of us to actually stand in the moment and shine and reveal his kingdom in the darkness. The girls, they went, they went uh, the, the five foolish girls, Give me some of your oil. Don't try to get your oil from people. They only have enough for their own assignment. Church, let's be prepared to shine because we went to the source. We've got to know the source. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can create kingdom light in our lives. He is the only, only one, and he desires to fill our lamps and guide our paths so that we can shine and reveal the nature of Christ, the power of Christ, the wisdom of Christ, the salvation of Christ, and we cannot get that resource from any other location than his presence. 
And I love in the story of, of, of in the picture of these uh, of the wedding party shining their light and revealing who the bridegroom is, revealing who salvation is because they went and spent time with the Father. I'm going to read from Acts 2 now, and it's an incredible, powerful revival. It's the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're going to take a little bit of a a look at why that happened, because, you know, in this season, in any season of our lives, God wants to display His nature. He wants to bring revival. He wants to bring refreshing. He wants to bring renewal. He wants to bring His perspectives to our families, our businesses, our community, in any time. You know, the, the Bible says that prophetically that we, should, we, we can bear fruit in any season. And so I want, today as I read this, I want you to, to start to believe again that the Holy Spirit wants to meet with you, encounter you, and burn on your life. Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That's a sermon in itself. I love that. One, one accord. They just they knew that they were in the right place together with the right people waiting for a moment. They had agreement together that God wanted to do something. And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And it goes on and it's just a crazy, extravagant, like weird celebration of like people going, what are these guys doing? And they're just burning with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Peter gets up and he preaches a message under this new anointing and 3,000 people were saved. That's amazing. Can you imagine Peter getting up and doing that if none of that had ever happened? If the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out, if they hadn't had a Pentecost moment, he would have just stood up and spoke and probably looked like a lunatic. But because he had the oil and he had the presence and he had the encounter, he was ready to overflow with the gospel of Jesus Christ and shine. So what was the catalyst for this outpouring? It was a promise, and it was a posture of prayer. The promise in Acts 1, it says this. This is a chapter before Acts 2, just in case you didn't know. Uh, This is the disciples. Jesus is saying the last words to them before he ascended. And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. I love that the promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. They're waiting for the promise which he says, you have heard from me, for, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You know, baptism means immersion. It means covered. It means fully encountered. Uh, and so they were going to have a full encounter. Jesus' promise to them was, you're going to have a full encounter with the power of God. And it's not going to be like anything you've ever had in your life. And I want to tell you, if you're here today and you haven't had a full encounter, with the Holy Spirit, then you're missing out on something. He wants to encapsulate your life, baptize you in His presence. So they had the promise. 
Verse 14 was their posture to the promise. Was their response, was their preparation, was their moment where we go, we've got the promise. What do we do with this promise? And it just simply says, and there's more around this, but it says this, that these all continued with one accord. There it is, one accord, one heart, one mind. You know, they were at Pentecost sitting in one accord when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And here we are, uh, a a few days before, they they were continuing in one accord in prayer. They had one heart, one vision. They were focused on the promise, and they'd postured their life to receive something greater from God than what they currently had. And because of the promise and the posture and the prayer, (laughs) a great revival happened. In summary, when the five foolish girls tried to enter the party, the master said, sorry, you can't come in. And then Jesus says, therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. Therefore, keep watch. And that, therefore, is the lesson. To be ready, to be prepared, to take that posture that God is going to fill me because of the greater promise that he wants to express next week, next year, for my family, for my friends. There's a greater breakthrough around your life that he wants you to engage with, but we've got to be willing to take the posture. We've got to be willing to do the therefore. Let's keep watch for what he's about to do. Prepare by receiving from the source. The Father lavishes his love on your life. His love is more, it's more real than my, my love for my beautiful wife. He's the reason I can love my wife. He's the source of of hope that I have for for this church and for our family and for the business and for our community. He is the source. He's not my willpower. Not our, not our, you know, not just preaching the word, not not just like, you know, hooking in with some of these great networks around and watching what others are doing and around the world and seeing how, like, how can we build a great church and, like, you know, what are the keys to success and that practical stuff's helpful, but that's not the source. I want to encourage you, church, to go to the source, to spend time with the source of light, of life, the only one who can make your flame burn. And if you've been looking to find your source in people, then I want to encourage you to unplug today. If you've been looking to find your source in the hope of, of, of accumulation then I want to encourage you to unplug today or your education or your significance from a promotion or nothing is going to actually satisfy you like finding the source of life. He is the one who wants to affirm who you really are, a son and a daughter of him. And he want, he's, the only, he's the enabler for your flame. So, at Thrive, um, we want to we want to make this practical as well. And all year we've been kind of um, thinking about a prayer room here. And so we're gonna um, 
we've found a room. It's actually my office here at church. <laughs> and we want to make room here so that you guys can have a place to connect with his presence. And you can do this. You don't have to do it in a room at church because God's not just at church, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> He's also at your house. He's anywhere. He's everywhere. We just got that next slide up, bud. You know, when you connect with the Holy Spirit, you're spending time with the Father. And we want to create a place here where you can spend time with the Father. Someone threw out the name The Fireplace. We think that's quite fun. (laughs) And so we want to honor Him by creating an environment that is undistracted. A prayer room. It says this in Matthew 6, But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Who is unseen. <laughs> then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So we just want to, and we're not saying that you have to go here, and that's the only place you hook in with God, not at all. But I know what it's like living in a busy house with so many distractions around us. And so we want to say, let's create a space here at Thrive and begin to honor his presence in a location and and as a church. You know, I read this book, 24-7 Prayer, and there's the prayer rooms all around the world at the moment that are going 24 hours a day, that they just have a roster and people come in and plug in with God's presence and what he's doing in this region. And and you don't have to know how to pray. You don't have to say religious words. It's just a place where you can posture yourself saying, I believe in you, Father, and I want to encounter you in this place. So it's a place where you can shut the doors and shut the distractions and focus on what's most important. Just want to go over a few things in this environment so that you know what you could do in a prayer room. If you're like, hey, this is what I could do. If you wanted to hang out in the prayer room, you can be selfish with just you and God. Or you can engage in intercessory prayer for you and your family and your business church region. In the prayer room as well, we want to provide a how-to guide, like how to pray, how to connect to God, what you can expect in this time. Just some triggers to like, that maybe just kind of like, hey, wow, I really connect with that Bible verse or I connect with that. Open my heart up, Lord. We're going to have an iPod dock there. You can just worship for the whole time if you want. The communion as well we want to have available. Maybe you just want to meditate on the Word. And if you've got a friend that you want to go in and pray with, like just take, take some people in there and, and pray as well. The idea is that it's a place where we can go, we can shut the door and spend time with the Lord. We've also got someone who's going to do a bit of a makeover in the room and just kind of make it a really cool uh, haven as well. So starting um, this Tuesday, we're going to have it open Tuesday afternoons and Thursday mornings. And so on Tuesday afternoons, it's going to be from 1 to 5, and then Thursdays, it's going to be from 9 to 12. And Donna Russell is coordinating this. Uh, I know she's not here this morning, but she's amazing. If you're interested in coming into the prayer room, oh, she is here? Okay. She's in Quraysh. Um, If you're interested in booking a slot today, you can do that. Or if you just want to find out a little bit more information, connect with Donna about this, and you can you can either book a session or you can just register your interest at info this today. Who thinks that sounds cool? Wouldn't it be amazing if we were just building it and building it? We started with just these two 
uh, you know, two half days and suddenly we're doing like a full day across the week and then, you know, God just wants to uh, encounter, impact our hearts so that we can burn with a flame for Him. If we can just have the band up now, that'll be amazing. And everyone could just stand this morning. Just um, feel like that this is a moment of consecration where you just, uh, maybe you just need to set aside the biggest why that you're breathing, the biggest reason that you get up on a Monday morning and go to work, the biggest reason that you have an amazing family or or maybe you're in a place of like, flip, I just feel like God. I'm at the table and my enemies are across from me today. And, you know, the God Father just wants to prepare a table of his perspective, of his food, of his nourishment for your season. And it just starts at surrender today. And you just might need to surrender your life to Christ today and say, you know, it's just not about the bells and the whistles. It's just about you and me, God. If that's you today, I just want to encourage you to lift your hand and I just want to pray for you to just, to, just that His presence would fill you and refresh you this morning. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for every life, family, hope, dream, situation that is here today at Thrive, God. I just thank you that you lavish us with your love this morning that you refresh our vision. But today, Lord, we just want to surrender everything to you. And we want to be a people who are prepared, who are ready, who go to the source, who plug in. You're the hope of the world and you're the hope of our world today. Holy Spirit, just refresh those lives who are surrendering to you today. Refresh with your presence. And I just release healing and freedom in your name today. Amen.